Fancy a cuppa? Well, come on then. You're welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Hi, love. Today's podcast is unique. I'm not giving this episode a number in case we take it down and repurpose it at some point. So it's a bonus episode. The truth is something happened and I feel that I owe you an apology, which is not a Trojan horse or being cheeky. Like, I owe you an apology for this podcast being so great. You're disappointed when it's any day but Wednesday. I owe you an apology if you get emails from me or have in the last couple of years. I'm going to explain what I discovered just last week was happening on my team that I didn't know how it goes back two years and some business mistakes that I made even before that. And ultimately, what I feel you and I can both learn from it, whether you're a business owner or not, because I think what I've experienced when it comes to relationships, trust, and trusting ourselves is something we can all struggle with personally, if not also professionally. So in the short term, this summer, I let one of my business partners go which is not something I plan to share. It's a pretty tiny percentage of my audience that would be in a position of having an outside business partner come into their company where it's a relevant teaching topic. It's also personal, and I really don't share personal things unless there's a takeaway for you. And it also reflects poorly on an individual, and I am very clear that this podcast is not a Taylor Swift breakup song. As much as I love me some Tay-Tay, if you go back and listen to episode one, where I talked about a lot of times in my life when I was hurt by people, by my old church, it was not a takedown piece. It was not about them. There was no naming, blaming, or shaming. It was about me and my experience and shared only because I felt it could help you in feeling less alone if similar things have happened to you or do happen. So this is not a part of my life I would have shared until I realized that it affects you. About two weeks ago, I started to notice I was getting some emails from myself, which isn't that odd. I get my own podcast email every Wednesday, and there's various places on our website and such where if you click and subscribe, you'll get certain automated email sequences of a welcome note and then free content, etc. But I could tell these emails I hadn't written or approved. They did not sound like me. They didn't sound like Dean Street. They were missing fields where it was supposed to say your name and didn't, or it would hit return for a new paragraph in the middle of a sentence. There were smiley faces written out of dashes and parentheses, which I never write. I was an English major, and while I am not the queen of grammar, I would never send emails like this. Messy and really rough. Nor this spammy. There was a lot of full sentence capitalization, cheesy marketing language, no storytelling, nothing personal. It was just ugh. And I'll be honest, I tried not to pay attention. I didn't even open most of them because I knew what had happened and I didn't want to feel more anxious or angry about it. What had happened was at some point over the last year or two, this business partner had asked for permission to write some emails, which would be atypical. He said, let me just do a tiny test to see if the sequence even works. Hardly anyone will see it, and that way you won't have to spend any time on it in case it doesn't work. And if it does, then I'll come back and you can write them. And I agreed. And business weren't on, and he never came back. I never thought about it again. And he proceeded to send his emails to, like, everyone. Maybe we honestly are still unclear how many of you have received emails like this. So my other partner, Franklin, and I, we already knew this was happening and we were going to get in there and start cleaning them up. But then I checked my email a week ago Monday, I think it was, and I saw I had received three emails in a day, all trying to sell me my style course that I had not signed up to hear anything about. And two days earlier, three more emails in a day trying to sell my Instagram course that, again, I, Hillary, at my new married name email address, had not signed up for, meaning I hadn't even raised my hand that I was an entrepreneur and I was being sold a business class. So I asked Franklin and our marketing director, Andres, to look into it, and horrified, they came back to report that a slew of emails had been getting sent to anyone who joined our list through the podcast. And probably more of you, this was just the one we'd stumbled upon. And 
I wept. I cried so hard, I was heaving. (laughs) I stood in my kitchen and screamed so loud, the neighbors must have thought a home birth was happening. (laughs) Because I am a real person. My business is me. My face, name, teaching, which means whenever you, dear listener and friend, see anything by my company, you think it's me. Even if the customer service reply is clearly signed, Minya or Liz or Jovi are awesome customer service girls, you still feel like it's an email reply from me, which means if you don't like it, you feel like I was the one who let you down. And if it has my signature on it, it is me. We don't have a copywriter. So to find out that someone had so carelessly written as me, haphazardly creating sequences, clearly without thinking about you the way I would, asked for 1% permission and then taken 100%, it's like if someone hacked into all of your social media and email and started writing as you, but not a weird hacker sending Viagra links, personal emails and DMs, like to your curvier girlfriend that said, hey, Sarah, I feel like I should tell you you really need to lose weight. Or your handsome guy friend, hey, Sam, I know I'm married, but I have such strong feelings for you, I can't stay quiet any longer. I mean, things that sound real, that sound enough like you to cause serious damage. And suddenly, Sam blocks your emails because he's not into adultery, and Sarah blocks you everywhere because you can't believe you were so rude. And suddenly, Sam and Sarah are gone. You guys were friends for years, and now they think you're someone you're not. It felt violating. I did not give my consent for this person to do what they did. It felt cheap. They got paid when our company made more money. So they were just trying to make more money. It was clear from their work they didn't really care about me or you as much as they said. It felt devastating. I trusted this person. And of course, there had been other things I'd seen that had led me to already part with them earlier this season. There had been a lot of other ways trust was broken, but I was finding even more evidence that they didn't have the level of talent and ability they claimed, nor the integrity to be careful with something so precious and powerful like the message I deeply believe I am called to of helping women feel more beautiful just as they are today, of helping fellow entrepreneurs create more freedom and joy through their work life, as I've been blessed to, and the community that wants to be a part of that. It felt heartbreaking that here I am sharing so much each week on this podcast and that maybe you're confused because I seem like someone different on email or you're a student in one of my business courses and you felt like I really did know what I was talking about. But then, ugh, these emails are so spammy. Maybe I don't know how to run a business that's elegant and authentic. And Sam and Sarah may always think of me that way. They may never read my book or learn from my courses listening, listen to my teaching again, those relationships that I poured years of love into might be gone. And with the thought, I really liked her, but then she got weird or changed, which isn't true, isn't who I am. So that's the behind the scenes story of the last few weeks and the last couple of years since this person joined my company. And I owe you an apology because I made a mistake and trusted the wrong person, and I trusted them too blindly and too soon. I have learned a lot through this, so I want to share seven mistakes and wise steps when it comes to trusting people in business, romance, friendship, family. And I also want to be honest that this isn't the first time I've made a mistake in who I trusted in my business. I brought this person on as, in essence, our chief marketing officer. And about a year before him, I tried hiring another marketing company. As an aside, if you're not a fellow entrepreneur, in essence, any business has a ceiling of what you can give or create, how many people you can help if you don't have help. So you start by bringing in lower-level people like an assistant, someone to answer the phones, so to speak. But then to really grow and help more people, you need to bring in folks in leadership seats who would have more expertise and the authority to act without you. I think sometimes you can look at someone like me and think, oh, she's a blogger. She's an Instagram influencer. It's probably just her and an assistant. Actually, we're an education company. 
with tens of thousands of customers, hundreds of thousands of students, and a massively complex labyrinth underneath it all that helps us organize emails and logins and membership sites and charges for this massive tribe that is Dean Street Society. So if you've been here for a little over three years, then you might remember this debacle. I was getting ready to leave on sabbatical, and I wanted to set up one of my courses so that it could run while I was away, so that my company could continue to make revenue while I healed from burnout so that I could keep going. And that's what this company I hired claimed they could do. Alas, they were not as good as they wanted to be. Our first and only launch together made the same amount of money as I had on my own with 10 times more work from me. I was literally sitting up till 4 a.m., 6 a.m. online just watching a tech guy from their team try to fix things because at that point I didn't trust them enough to go to sleep. People were getting triple charged when they bought our course. And this company put support at DeanStreetSociety.com as the contact email which is not our email, never has been. They just made it up and didn't bother to check. So when people wrote, they got a bounce back that this address didn't exist, and then they panicked that they had been spammed and we were triple charging them and just going to steal their money. So they're going on social media threatening to report me to the Better Business Bureau or whatever. And of course, they aren't like Tom and Tony should be reported. Names have been changed, of course. They're like Hillary Rushford is the worst. Meanwhile, we have never had more emails in our inbox. And because we'd never had nearly that many emails, we didn't have nearly enough people to help respond. I think I had one part-time customer service girl at the time. So it was taking days to get back to people over a week, which just made them more mad and write more emails. So it took longer to get a reply. It was a disaster. And there are other stories along the way, but I want to use these two main instances of marketing to share seven thoughts I have on trust in relationships, because between the two of them, they cover a lot of different lessons that I've learned and am learning. Number one, trusting people always means we could get hurt. That doesn't mean we shouldn't trust people. But what I think I am learning is that I should be more slow to trust. My heart should remain just as hopeful Believing that people are good, have integrity, are as talented as they say they are, are emotionally healthy. The latest season of The Bachelorette just ended last night, and I was thinking about how sad it is to me every time a contestant on that show talks about how they've been hurt in past relationships, so now they're afraid to open up again. And it's so many of them. It is such a common experience people talk about on that show, which sucks because Screw that last person, right? Like, as a friend, if I'm listening, I get so frustrated when a friend lets some jerk of a guy or a lame girl who's no longer around make them feel afraid to hope that the next person they meet could be great and kind. So number two, while we know we could get hurt, as I've shared here on the podcast and other topics, I believe we should look for evidence of hope. Choose hope. I have six individuals on my team who have been here for two to four years, and I trust each one of them. They have shown they care, they're thoughtful, they're wise, they've earned my trust. And I'll talk in a minute about how I know that, how to build that trust. So especially for entrepreneurs listening, I want to make sure you hear me, that you can trust people. There are good people out there, and you will need them to grow your business. But... You shouldn't let someone in your bed on night one, right? Like, judgment-free zone here, but we could probably all agree it would be more wise, safe, cautious to go slowly, to get to know someone before you, say, give them the keys to your apartment and your credit card and access to all of your social media logins and your box of diaries. So why do we ever do things like that? It's because, number three... We should be aware of the moments in which we are the weakest. Let's say in letting that person into your bed on night one, if you get hurt after that, maybe you said yes against your better judgment because you're feeling weak because you're lonely, right? You're 
feeling desperate for touch. Like if this is the only human contact you can get, you'll take it. You're feeling a longing to feel beautiful, safe, held, wanted. We all feel or have felt that in our own way. Maybe for you, it's been in friendship or continuing to let a family member in who hurts you again and again. But we want to be able to self-recognize if we're not coming from the most strong, confident, secure place right now. And that's when we should be more cautious of our decision making. We are all weaker sometimes in some areas. We don't have to be ashamed of or feel like that's a failure. Because while we want to be as strong as we can be, emotional health can also simply be being self-aware enough to know our weak spots. And number four, in creative entrepreneurship, I'm afraid that for a lot of women, myself included, that feeling of weakness comes around technology and money. I know I have cried a lot on this podcast. <laughs> I have talked about suicidal ideation and heartbreak, but that is the single most vulnerable sentence I've ever said. Because usually I share things when I've had distance, when they're not so raw, which is how I can be so honest and yet never feel exposed or have regretsy. But this is something I have just been honest with myself about the last few months because of this situation. I've known it for longer, but I haven't wanted to admit it to myself. And yet, because I felt like you were due an apology that this situation on my team has affected you, I'm sharing something that I have yet to fix or solve, heal, or overcome for myself. I have always felt just as capable as a man. I have never in my life felt that something would be easier or better if I were a man. I think there's been a lot of my life when I didn't relate to feminism because it's like to me acknowledging there was any difference was weak. That was my feeling. I'm not saying that's how anyone else should feel. It really wasn't until this Me Too movement that I've really felt a sense of horrifying injustice and imbalance because I personally have never felt I experienced inequality in my career or ability to succeed because I'm a woman. So just for me personally, to say, quote, this is hard for women, it feels like I'm being a victim instead of empowered. But speaking the truth is powerful. So I am saying something that makes my insides squirm but I think is true. So I'll repeat the sentence. In creative entrepreneurship, I'm afraid that for a lot of women, myself included, that feeling of weakness comes around technology and money. Now, I'm not saying everyone by any means. Feel free to decide this does not apply to you. And of course, there are some women whose business is technology or finance. But the truth is, Jeremy, my husband, is a software engineer. And his company tries actively to hire women on their team, and the pipeline just is not as strong. One of my girlfriends, Jade, is an investment trader at a major finance firm in Manhattan, and there are notably far less women with her on the trading floor than men. And so for female entrepreneurs, it would not be surprising to think that these are not areas that we are the most confident in when it comes to our business, that we have not yet had a generation of women raised to be equally as strong in technology and finance as men. And especially because so many of you listening are creative entrepreneurs, yoga teacher, graphic designer, wedding photographer, therapist. That's why I explicitly use that term, because your zone of genius, the brilliant talent that made you start a business in the first place is your right brain creativity, not your left brain logic. And I'll be honest, I think one of the reasons I'm so successful in business is because I am very much right and left brain hybrid. But despite that, I have known from day one that technology and finance were the areas I had the least knowledge in and felt the most insecure and easily overwhelmed by. And number five, we feel the weakest, meaning we're most likely to make decisions more out of desperation than confidence, when we're exhausted. 
and we're almost all exhausted. You're exhausted from dating, being single, watching your friends get married. You're exhausted from being lonely, craving community, feeling like everyone has more friends and more invites than you do. You're exhausted from a lifetime of wanting a mom who is loving and healthy and supportive. You're exhausted from running a business 24-7 that's more work even when it's working and doing well. It's a merry-go-round that you just can't get off. And I get choked up saying those things that aren't even my story because I know they're yours. And I know what it feels like to be so tired from hoping and holding out hope. So when you are desperate for a break to just feel like your head is above water and you're not drowning for some hope and someone says, I can come over tonight and climb into bed and you won't feel alone or says they can help you set up your technology, get your systems in place, help you make more money so you can have more room to breathe, to hire more help, to take a break, whether you are male or female heterosexual or homosexual, it is the Disney equivalent of our knight in shining armor. And as a strong, capable, talented, successful female founder and CEO, I am terrified to admit to myself, not to you, and yet feel deeply compelled to, that I have sometimes been more the feigning princess than the reigning monarch I was created to be and incapable of being. So, number six, how do we trust wisely? What does it look like to ignore warning signs? And what can you do differently? What could I have done in hindsight? Well, it's really complicated. There are a ton of tiny things that have happened inside our company with these different individuals. What got me there or why I stayed? And that's usually how these situations are. They're complex, specifically because we're dealing with people who aren't emotionally healthy or mature. Let me pause on that for a second. So when I say someone isn't emotionally healthy or mature, there's quite a spectrum there. The first marketing duo I hired a few years back, they were emotionally immature, which is a position that every single one of us has been in. It's called being green, starting, doing something for the first time. Imagine the difference between being a single mom at 18 or 38. You have empathy that the 18-year-old is just more green in life. I dated someone before Jeremy who was divorced. He'd only been in one relationship from 18 to 38, so he was green at dating. We got seriously so quickly because all he had known was deep commitment. This marketing duo had never run a business. I'm hopeful that Five or 10 years later, they could have been great to work with. But my advice, and I'm going to list out an alphabet here of things that we can do, and I will list them out below in the description if you swipe up so you can revisit it afterwards. But A is to do your homework. I should have asked to speak to previous clients or employers. I found out later that one of these guys had been fired from his last company for stealing data. I'm pretty sure people would have told me they're hungry, but they're green. And I would have realized that at that point in my business, I needed people with more experience. So that's what I mean by emotional immaturity. And I don't say it as a dig. We are all there in certain areas of life. So without judgment, be honest about where someone's at. And if that's you, if you are the one in the green space in a certain area of your life, then it's about being emotionally healthy which is all about self-awareness. If you go re-listen to episode three on your number one issue, I talked about my philosophy on the three stages of ish. You deny your ish, then you own it, and finally, you desire to change it. I'll talk more about this in a minute around people who do earn our trust, but when someone is denying their ish in an area, which, again, we all do at times, You can tell it because there's a defensiveness that leads to blame, excuses, smoke and mirrors. It comes from a lack of security in themselves, which we talked about in episode six on dating and relationships. 
If you are secure, you can say things like, I need help. I'm not sure what the answer is. So here's one example from inside our company. For about a year, there was some data that didn't make sense. The area my business partner was in charge of just wasn't working. And there were four of us involved that could have intervened sooner. And it's taken us a lot of self-work over the past few months to understand for ourselves how we all let this happen. So person one, we had a strong team member that we didn't empower to speak up. Our marketing director, Andres, implemented what he was asked, even if he may have felt it was wrong or disagreed or didn't understand why something was or wasn't being done. Andreas's background is in the military, so he obeys orders and honors a chain of command. So what we'll do in the future is make sure it is a company policy. If you see something, say something. If something doesn't pass the smell test, as they say in journalism, speak up. If you disagree, tell me. If you don't understand, ask for clarity to make sure it is sitting right with you. So B, in my list of how we can trust more wisely, in your life, maybe this is a friend or a therapist, but encourage the people in your life and on your team who have earned your trust to speak into your life and business to help protect you. Empower and encourage them to do so. Person two, we had a great business partner, Franklin. And the reason I didn't see a lot of what happened sooner is because Franklin was really the second in command in that area. And I have complete trust in Franklin. But Franklin didn't realize he was in partnership with someone who's a manipulator. And it took him almost the entire time to realize that's what was happening. A good manipulator is insidious. It's not obvious, and smart, capable people are turned on their heads. If you attended my free workshop earlier this summer on the biggest obstacles in our business, I talked about a practice I call the WAND based on cognitive behavioral therapy, which is the belief that our thoughts lead to our feelings, which lead to our actions. A manipulator tells you that your thoughts are wrong, so you question your feelings, so they can spin and get the outcome they want. When you think, man, are they not doing anything to fix this? You call and they say, oh, dude, I know I was up late last night working on that. And you think, oh, okay, maybe I was wrong. Maybe they are on top of this. When you think, but this number on the spreadsheet is so bad. They say, I just figured out yesterday what was wrong. And you think, okay, maybe this is not a fire. Maybe they're fixing it. And then they dangle the carrot. I just need a week to see if I'm right, and the numbers balance out. So there's never actual proof that they were telling the truth, that they really did solve it, that they really were working to fix it. So C is what we need to do in the future is see the fruit, not be given thoughts or made to feel feelings, but see in the action that their words are true. That person said they would stop canceling on you. But when they cancel again, that's the action. That's the fruit or not. That, more than their words or how they make you feel, is the truth. Person number three who missed warning signs is me. For me, it looked like not listening to my gut and letting someone spin a story instead of looking at the data. Because, of course, I didn't understand the technology and was overwhelmed by the numbers So looking at the data felt like the very thing I wanted to trust someone else to do. What I could have done in hindsight is sit there until I understood, and if or while I needed help understanding, bring in another person or two. This is why you go to therapy. I had a friend who was in a relationship for 10 years with a sociopath. If they had gone to therapy, which of course he never would have agreed to, but there would have been another person there who had more wisdom in the area of what is and isn't emotionally healthy. So D, I could have made sure conversations included someone who did know the technology and numbers better than me. If I didn't understand, I could get help in understanding. And of course, I did have someone else having the conversation for me. I just wasn't present. So I was still punting that I didn't understand and I myself needed to understand. 
when I disagreed with a decision that my gut said was wrong for you, for this audience, instead of just giving in because, after all, they had more years of experience than me, I could have asked him to run a split test so that we could have clear data to prove which point of view was right, which is E, I could have set a boundary or a scenario to get the facts. You say you won't cancel again. Great. Let's make a date and see. You say this will convert better for marketing. Great. Let's do a split test and see. But I think actually the greatest thing I could have done had nothing to do with numbers or data or spreadsheets. My greatest mistake was F, paying attention to how someone disrespected myself and our team. Because ultimately, they disrespected you and our mission in the world. And now it's clear I could and should have seen it's coming. One example is in January, we were in Miami for an executive retreat for just two and a half days. And at the end of the second day, we had just gotten back to our hotel after dinner to continue working. And this person said they dropped their room key. And instead of getting one from the front desk, weirdly, they said they had, quote, heard this little plastic card drop out of their pocket. So they walked back to where they thought it was. We said, OK, text us when you're back and we'll meet us, meet you in your room. That should have been 10 minutes. I think 90 minutes later or more, they finally texted. They had coincidentally dropped their key, which, of course, they never could find, by a soccer field and decided instead of working or communicating that they would like to watch some soccer. Brazenly disrespectful to Franklin and I, who had flown all this way, to our team, who we'd promised we'd have completed X work by the end of the trip, and to you, who we're serving with what we're creating. And there was a total lack of consciousness that this was inappropriate. There was no apology or maybe it was the casual, like, sorry, that, you know, doesn't really match how much disrespect was there. And then it happened again the next morning. He stayed up late playing video games, slept through his alarm, and was two hours late for our first work meeting. And there was other instances of similar behavior, just more subtle being on a remote team, like not responding in a timely manner, being unreachable on big days for the team. Um, A few days before he was let go, he told misinformation to two students in one day because he hadn't been paying attention in team conversations. So, gee... What we can do in the future is be honest with ourselves when we're being treated disrespectfully. Yet why did I not say something in Miami? It sounds so clear, right? Can you imagine if Jeremy went on a work trip for two days and was two hours late to meetings back-to-back days and just shrugged it off? But it's because subconsciously I knew I was in relationship with a manipulator. I knew that somehow energetically, if I spoke up, he would turn it on me. I was being too sensitive. I was ruining the fun. I needed to calm down. I needed to stop making such a big deal out of things. Because a manipulator can't take responsibility. They can't say, I'm sorry, that was wrong. Because either they don't want to change or they don't believe they can change. So to own their ish would be too risky. So H... Notice if you are afraid to speak up when you're being disrespected because it tells you something. Don't think you're being too sensitive or asking too much. Don't gloss over it and ignore it because you want to keep the peace or be the nice one or be liked. Be aware that people who are manipulative are the ones we have the least courage to speak up to because subconsciously we know they won't apologize. Somehow they'll defend deny, blame, twist, and it will end up not in a simple apology, but a tense conversation that only makes you feel worse. And those are the very conversations we need to have the most. And I, number I, not I personally, letter I, especially notice when the defensiveness turns mean. So again, we are smart, confident people. But a manipulator can make us second guess and swallow what we know to be right and healthy about how we should be treated and what we know to be true. Can I give you another example from The Bachelorette? (laughs) When people get broken up with on that show, 
they act very clearly one of two ways. They are either sad or they're angry. Does anyone remember from Caitlin Bristow's season when she broke up with a tall, bald-headed guy from, like, Stanford? And in response, he told her she wasn't smart enough to date him anyways. (laughs) He was like, if you hurt me, I will be mean to get you back. Versus, I'm hurt, but I know you're not trying to be mean. (laughs) Now, let me say, we've all done this. You get hurt and you lash back. But for a manipulator, it's the only and most consistent way the conversation goes. And when I let this person go, finally... They attacked my intelligence, tried to chip away at my confidence, threw other people on the team under the bus. My script, which I'd written out because I wanted to be very intentional with my words, was, this is really sad. I love you, but these are the facts. This is so sad because I really love you, but these are the facts. And in response, they didn't say anything about the fact that they cared about me our team, you, the mission. And again, sometimes we don't act our best and then we come back to apologize. Um, The lame guy from Stanford, he did return to the men tell all and literally got down on a knee and asked for forgiveness because he acknowledged that he had acted beneath his character. But if you get an apology, then of course you need to see the fruit of that true change. And with all of this, I want to say... As much as it is sad for any of you that have gone through this with a family member, a friend, a romantic partner in your business, I want to remind you to take solace in the peace that it's over, or it can be. And every day you're not in it is a better day. So allow yourself to be sad, but then be grateful that you were strong enough to get out. So the final step, and Let me recap the first six steps, actually. Number one, trusting people always means we could get hurt. Two, don't let that keep you from hoping in people that you can trust. Three, acknowledge we have poor decision-making and trust when we feel weak. Four, for female creative entrepreneurs, this can be in technology and finance. Five, We feel especially weak when we're exhausted, when this area has been overwhelming us for a while. So six, we need to be intentional about the nine areas I shared we can check in on to protect ourselves. And those are, do your homework, ask for references, invite other people you trust to speak up if they see something, don't just accept words, be sure you see fruit and action, Don't settle for not understanding. While you grow in your understanding, bring in a third person you know does understand, a therapist, another family member. Set boundaries in scenarios to help you get more clear facts and see the truth. Be honest with yourself if you're being disrespected. If you're afraid to speak up, take that as an even clearer sign that you need to. And when defensiveness turns mean, take that as the clearest, loudest sign. And number seven is focus on ways to build trust. The people on my team who have earned my trust, it's in these same ways. I see the fruit. They say they're going to do something and they do it. Our business manager, Kim, is so trustworthy on details and organization. She's earned our trust. When they can't do it, they say so. They're humble enough to know that they don't know everything and speak up when they're in over their head and need help. That one is huge, the humility. When they do drop a ball or make a mistake, they apologize instead of blame. Camille, our marketing assistant, recently said, that was me. I dropped that ball. And it instantly allowed us to shift from panic into, oh, okay, that happens. How can we help? She knew it wasn't a judgment on her character or ability that she had made a mistake. She knew it's just human and we all do. And they respect myself and the rest of our team. They show up on time for meetings, communicate, honor deadlines. I also want to say we can have empathy for people who are emotionally unhealthy or manipulative. They aren't bad people. They're scared. 
they are afraid they can't get what they want by being honest or being themselves. We talked about this in episode three on our issues, but they don't believe they can change. They don't have hope or confidence or see a path forward where they can be better. So instead of owning their ish, they deny, deflect, and blame. But that doesn't mean we allow for their behavior. You may have, I don't know, been scared your boyfriend was going to leave you because you've been left before, because your dad left, and so you cheat on him before he can hurt you. Well, I can understand where your fear and brokenness came from, but that doesn't excuse the behavior that hurts, damages, and disrespects other people. You need to grow in your emotional health and self-awareness to heal from those wounds so you don't continue to wound those around you. So we can wish them well and envision a path in which they are healthier and happier because it is miserable to live like that. And we can put on our own oxygen mask first, set healthy boundaries, and not allow ourselves to be treated in that way. But in this most recent case in my business, I was busy. And he was so nice and joyful and funny. And he was good at manipulation. There was smoke and mirrors. And I hadn't been in a relationship like that before. Neither had Franklin. So we didn't see the warning signs. And I wanted to be saved. I wanted to not delegate, which takes a lot more work, but abdicate, which is so much easier. And I even had other people that I trusted and still do trust on watch. Our CFO, Corey, was another person on watch. And I think it's important to note, they're all men. So this is definitely not something that happens just to women or female entrepreneurs. But even with the other wise adults in the room, as much as the rest of my team truly loves this company and believes in our mission and our ministry, Dean Street Society is me. It's my name, face, teaching, philosophy, wisdom, authenticity, vulnerability. It's me you're in relationship with. It's me you trust or you judge. So I owe you an apology because I trusted too quickly and too blindly someone who said all the right things because I wanted him to be as talented and earnest as he seemed to be because it would let me serve you more. If the technology and finance of the company are humming, I can record podcasts for free, teach all over Instagram for free, go write books that are so affordable for you to consume and powerful to change your life. I can create the courses that will help you have more joy and less overwhelm in your style, business, and life. So in conclusion, number one, if you've received spammy emails from us or a million emails in succession or we've given you a hard sell for something you never wanted or raised your hand for, I am sorry. We are reviewing all of our content, though I can't ensure we'll catch everything right away or be able to fix it all right away. As I mentioned, there is a massive labyrinth behind the scenes of a company this large and two years of disorganization to sift through. But I will continue to pour into our relationship on this podcast, on Instagram, and on email. Those are the three places that you and I hang out, like at the diner, Carrie's apartment, or the back of a cab on Sex in the City. Those are our three spots for conversation and relationship. Number two, whether in your personal or professional life, I hope you will be more cautious yet hopeful to believe in people. Look for evidence that people are wonderful because they are, and be more diligent about making sure they earn your trust. If you swipe up into the description, I've put that outline I went through here so you can review it and see if there's any area of your own life that something applies to you or revisit it when you need to. And number three, for my fellow entrepreneurs, especially women, if technology or money are areas that you feel weak in, let's get stronger. For me, that doesn't mean I'm going to learn the technology, but I'm going to better understand the data, the metrics, the details, and be more cautious that someone earns my trust in that area specifically because I know I'm not as well-versed, meaning it's easier to manipulate me, to lie, create smoke and mirrors, and cover up if someone actually isn't very good at their job. 
And that doesn't mean I'm going to take over our finances. I still have two great people I trust, but I'm going to listen more closely, ask more questions, speak up when I don't understand to grow in my understanding. You are not superwoman. You cannot do all the things. You need help. Whether in your business or life, we need people. We need each other. And yet, you're stronger than you think. You are capable of more. You need people, but you do not need someone to save you. And also, you're a real person. You will get hurt. People will violate you. You'll be embarrassed. Sometimes you'll feel so devastated when you learn the truth about someone, you will stand in your kitchen and scream and weep. But you'll go to your real friends and you'll say, ugh, that was the worst. But I know who I am, that I'm smart and strong, that I care about people, that I am brilliant at what I do, and that no matter what, my creativity and my character will never truly be demolished by someone else acting from a place of their own insecurity. Because things that bring life keep growing. Beauty rises up out of ashes. So to continue my apology, every Monday for the next four weeks, I'm going to share via email more behind-the-scenes stories and lessons that I've never shared on marketing, operations, finances, and leadership. And I'm going to give you some resources that have helped me to feel more empowered over these areas myself to feel less weak or overwhelmed. So if you're not on my email list or you've unsubscribed and you want to start hanging out a little bit again, come over to hillaryrushford.com slash pod VIP. There's a link when you swipe up in the description. If you feel like maybe I'm ending up in your spam or your promotions folder, keep an eye out each Monday for the next four weeks. If you check that box that you're an entrepreneur when you opt in, you'll get this four-part series going deeper on vulnerable lessons that I've learned and some resources to help. And if you're not a small business owner, we'll be sending you on Mondays instead my Three Steps to Simplified Style video series, and we're bringing back my popular free calendar of daily style prompts to help you get creative in your closet come September. So you can join either side of the list or both at hillaryrushford.com slash pod VIP. And if you're catching this episode later on and you want that entrepreneur series, once it's live, I'll put it at hillaryrushford.com slash tech, which is also linked below if you just swipe up. Plus, you can subscribe here and we can hang out on Wednesdays and on Instagram in between at Hillary Rushford. If you go like and emoji a bunch of my posts, tap on my stories, Instagram will start letting us hang out more often in your feed if you realize you haven't been seeing my IG lives and such. Um, Also, one last Bachelor reference. Um, If you recall my IG stories breaking down uh, Luke P. from this season as the characteristics of a manipulator, you can find that in my pinned IG stories under shenanigans. Now you'll understand that while I've walked through with many girlfriends, being with the alcoholic husband or sociopathic boyfriend or narcissistic mother who were manipulators, I had been having my own first experience, not in a romantic friendship or family relationship, but in a business relationship. Um, And yes, The Bachelorette, watching someone else's experience helped give me clarity and healing, which is, I hope, the case for you today. Because emotionally unhealthy people are everywhere. Strong people fall for them all the time. We don't have to feel badly it happened to us, just confident in what we've learned that we won't let it happen again. And with wisdom, we can pass on to one another. One last note, if by any chance you're brand new to here today. Hi, I'm Hillary Rushford, the founder and CEO of Dean Street Society, where I explore what makes women feel beautiful or sadly, more often not beautiful. Over the last eight years in business, I've helped tens of thousands of women feel more beautiful just as they are today without weighing less or buying more. And along the way, I've also shared what I've learned in building a multiple seven-figure business with tens of thousands of entrepreneurs to have more joy and less overwhelm in their work in the world, more freedom because of what they do. What I share here each Wednesday are my lessons in a life of more elegant excellence, a life with both 
ambition and ease, grace and gumption, hope and healing, confidence and compassion. We are people who believe in the and, not either hustling or settling, perfect or broken, healed or a hot mess. We believe in the and, that it gets better and that we can grow every day and each of us are the CEO of our own life and more empowered than we believe to do, have, and be the person and life we want. You're welcome here. And believing you'll get something out of the next time we hang out, you're welcome in advance. Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. As I do to wrap up every episode, this week's Something I'm Loving Lately is my friend Nicole Walters and what she teaches us about friendship and healing. I love her because when I hung up the phone after letting this person go and had a lot of mean, manipulative things said to me and was kind of in shock, I texted her, can you talk? And within minutes, she was on the line. Remember that simply being present when someone needs you, even if you don't have all of the time, money, resources, wisdom, or answers to help them, just picking up the phone can show someone that they're loved and not alone. And I really love her because she's been in my life long enough that she was able to say after listening to me for a few minutes, girl, can we celebrate? (laughs) Because there was a time when your anxious behind would have been in a puddle of emotion and self-shame right now in a closet, and you just did something so hard and you sound so healthy. If you have ever struggled with anxiety, please go back and listen to episode two. It is my most downloaded episode. And she was right. I had to make this hard, horrible call while on vacation. I'm no longer on anxiety medication. I didn't have Xanax with me because I hadn't needed it in forever. And while I knew the conversation would be ugh, I didn't have a panic attack. And when I was met with a lot of blame and horrible things said to me, I didn't crumble. I didn't panic. I stayed clear and kind and confident and firm in my decision and peaceful that I am the CEO of my life and this company and the buck stops with me. And I hope that reminds us all of the value of long-term friendships, which if you wish you had more of, just make a commitment that when they come, you will be that friend, that you won't walk away over a little fight or a season of distance, Because we need people in our lives who were there at different stages to point out to us, look how far you've come. And it's my hope that this podcast is that for you when it comes to being a friend for yourself, that you listen to an episode and realize an area you've grown in or want to grow in. And when you go back and re-listen to an episode six months later that you loved and saved, you realize that you have indeed come so far. I believe in us both. Till next Wednesday.